You're listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Bringing you the latest news, views, and abuse from across the United States, here's your hosts. And welcome to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. Happy to have you. I'm Corey Munson coming to you live from Iowa. I'm joined as always by Aaron Castro in Arizona and Liam Madigan-Fried down in Texas. Josh Redland's over in the comments section, so be sure to hit him up with any, any thoughts or abuse throughout the episode. So guys, how's your week been? All I gotta say is Brian Ray, who is the rugby dumbest now? Uh, uh, uh. All right. Um, Oh, today, today is better than now. We, we are we are in a good state of mind now. Well, eh. uh, so if anyone wants to know about regressions, ah, take a drink. Grad school mention. Um, yeah, uh, just spent you know two days doing regressions in Excel. It's horrible. Um, so if anyone wants some about the height and weight of rugby players. Just spent that whole time doing baseball players. So, uh, you know, some rugger. Um, yeah, Man, fatigue, fatigue. Uh, Liam, I, I know you've retired uh, from professional uh, beer league sport. But uh, I got to tell you, uh, guys, getting, uh, getting back to training, you know, 15 to 20 hours a week is very, it's very difficult. Uh, I, I would wait, you're drinking 15 to 20 hours a week. Oh man, are you playing 15 to 20 hours of beer pong a week, dude? Because oh, that's man, I'd be so fat, but uh, yeah, like so, half of what I did in college, didn't but get, didn't get to the gym today, but uh, you know, was, was feeling it, so I did get my five milers in, so yeah, let's just I don't know. <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, um, if anybody cares how my week's been, um, I have no idea. Uh, I honestly feel like it's been two days since our last show. I was surprised to learn that it was Monday, um, especially because the Sabercats didn't have a game this past weekend. So, uh, yeah, I've just been... Since it was a bye week, you didn't didn't go, like, somewhere by Corpus, maybe, for your own spring break? I went to Main Street in Houston, and um, I remember about the first 15 or 20 minutes of that excursion. Uh, I got home, though. I was good. <laughs> it's called Uber. <laughs> yeah, hell yeah, man. Dude, God bless Uber. I would not get around without it. <laughs> uh. well, by which I mean I don't want to spend money on gas because you have to drive everywhere in Houston, and that is pretty much a third of your paycheck every single, every single time. Very good. Well, I guess uh, for those new to the show, I'll just let you know. Um, yeah, like I said, this is Earful of Dirt. We do this every single Monday night. We discuss news, rumors, and uh, all the all the stuff out of Major League Rugby, which is the U.S.'s professional rugby union. It's our chance to go through the issues, to hear from league, players, team leadership, and check in with our friends from across the U.S. rugby scene. So yeah, with that in mind, Aaron, you got the rundown for what we got going on this episode. When are you gonna play the jingle on your guitar? Oh, <laughs> behind me, I keep forgetting. Free <laughs> word. Uh, so uh, let's get. So New York did what we thought. 
against Austin in San Antonio. Uh, Toronto throttled some records. Uh, New Orleans dropped one. And San Diego plays with 14 men for 50 minutes. Well, actually, 13 men for 10. But yeah, you get the point. <laughs> that will be an interesting discussion, to say the least. We'll save that one for last. Yeah, so uh, starting us off this week, we had uh, Rooney just barely, sort of, kind of, sneaking by uh, Austin. And uh, at, I guess, was an Austin home game, even though it was in San Antonio. Uh, so Rugby United New York didn't expect to have as difficult a time as they did against Austin Elite. Uh, New York had to fight for every meter and every point earned. Rooney has one of the strongest forward packs in Major League Rugby and proves it early on, and proved it early on uh, by completely destroying Austin's set piece. Do you guys agree? Aaron, what do you think? Well, I wouldn't say they destroyed that set piece. It, I mean, look at the – I mean, we're going to – Liam will go over some stats, but uh, they, they did get in the way of that line out for sure. But um, so – I was in production with uh, with MLR kickoff, um, another rugby job that I somehow have, and uh, it's it's a great time. Uh, honestly, uh, working with those guys is pretty pretty dope. But but one of the things that Pete talked Pete talked about on the show last week was uh, Mike Tolkien discussed after their last game against the Raptors that they were originally going to rest a bunch of people. Uh, they did end up resting people, but it wasn't just to rest them. They like they had a, I mean, a bunch. They have a bunch of injuries. Cahal Marsh is going to be out for a couple weeks. Uh, I think uh, Dylan Fawcett was struggling really for fitness uh, later on this week, this last week, and you know he's pretty he's pretty banged up because he's just been getting after it, leading the team. I think in tackles, he's been averaging like 17 tackles a game since he came back from Eagles camp. Uh, you know, what, what do you want from Austin? Uh, consistent growth. Uh, they continue to show that. They are making progress against the better teams in the league. Did they get a win? No. Uh, unlike last week, though, against New Orleans, uh, this one, you know, at a certain point was out of reach. Um, is it is it just me? Maybe everyone else can chime in. But does New York is New York, like, five deep at the wing spot, like, on each side? Do they have just, like, ten guys – waiting to get a contract in case someone gets injured because they got a lot of wings. They're just kind of there. You know, they grow on trees. It's it's kind of like when they were building the Empire State Building, they would have guys just waiting across the street, waiting for workers to fall off and then be like, well, next guy up. You know, it's more or less the same thing there in the Empire City, at the Empire State, whatever you guys want to call it, just the evil empire, not New England. Drink. <laughs> When it comes to, uh, you know, positions and injuries. So Harry Bennett coming off the bench last week was really important so that he didn't come out cold. He has had a few games out with Nyack uh, so that he was warmed up for that. But he was struggling for fitness um, from injuries early on in the season. Uh, you know, he played really well at 10. And then Matina, you know, he could have played there if needed. But then, you know, they wouldn't have had a set. They would have needed somebody else to play in the centers. And, and Matina, you know, held down the outside center spot. Uh, very well, uh, but it, it you know it's it is what it is. They are you know the second best team in the league right now, and their depth shows it. But I would like 
look at that roster and that shows you that they are struggling for depth now. Uh, if guys come back to fitness, they'll be all right. But uh, if it get, if their if their injury list gets as long as Austin, it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a tough back end of the season. Um, it's one thing to change two thirds of your roster like Austin did. It's another thing to do when a third of your new roster is injured or walking wounded. Uh, you know, so uh, that that's no excuse. Like they're playing really well, but. You're going through a whole season with no depth. It really, like maybe changing the, uh, I would say, going from part-time to full-time significantly affects that. Yes, it does. Maybe they'd have another win. I I don't know. I think we're starting to see the good coaching and and the systems in place and the guys who want to stick around for a very long time. But it makes training really difficult when you only have – 20 guys who are fit and you for practice and you need 23 guys fit uh for saturday but you know one day we'll we'll have full-time squads of, of 62 just like the dragons had last year <laughs> dragons uh you know aaron so i would definitely agree with you austin's looking like a more complete team every single week and they're showing improvements across the board on both offense and defensive phases within their game However, I'm still not convinced that they're anywhere close to making the leap in terms of getting that, um, you know, in, in terms of, you know, in terms of like turning over a new leaf and starting to win. I'm not saying they're not going to win a game. That's not what I'm saying. But they keep on they, they keep on committing these errors that are just their own worst enemy more often than not. And despite the fact that they're moving the ball really uh, much better between the 22s, they're just not finishing scoring drive uh, drives just like my Saber Cats. Um, Anyway, in terms of the, the, of the statistics that you mentioned, uh, Rooney uh, finished the game with a 55% possession uh, overall. Uh, Austin, had a, Austin, meanwhile, had a seven, an impressive 74% mark in the gain line over uh, metric. So they were actually making headway in terms of uh, moving the ball past the ruck. Um, so, you know, they definitely weren't losing ground more often than not. Uh, they even outgained Rooney in total meters with 660 compared to Rooney's 604. Rodrigo Silva let, led them with 97 total meters. Uh, he's one of those guys, uh, along with Moa, who's really starting to stand out for Austin. He's becoming one of their marquee players. And that's really good for a team that's actually kind of struggled with attendance so far this season. You want those players who you might be able to market. Uh, and Rodrigo is looking like one of those guys who, they, who they're going to be able to do that with, too. Uh, however, my big standout guy from this game has to be Mike uh, Mike Petri. Uh, the dude is as New York as it gets. Uh, I liked how he stayed in support of his teammates. Uh, you know, offensively, most scrum halves will tend to take a back seat. Uh, this guy gets uh, you know actively involved, which sometimes isn't always the best because it might get your scrum half hurt or it might get him you know caught down in the ruck, and you have to have a more a, a less experienced player take the ball out. Uh, but you know, his, his tenacity definitely got him the try in this game. And I really like that. All right. Uh, the second match of the weekend, uh, was one for the record books. I'll tell you what we had, uh, the arrows playing up against Utah and they won 64 to 31. The Arrows win over the Warriors set a couple of major league records. Uh, one record was most points scored by one team in a match. Uh, the second was most combined points scored in one match. So the previous record for both those was 55 and 88, respectively. Uh, Toronto had all 
nine of their tries uh, scored by nine different players, which is fantastic. That really shows a lot of skill spread across a wide, wide variety of folks. So it shows really how dangerous this team has become uh, through the course of half a season. I don't know. Liam, what did you see? Uh, so what I saw what was uh, a bunch of guys who probably felt how much it sucks to score 31 points in an MLR game and still get be considered to have gotten blown out. Uh, and that's the exactly the situation that Utah found themselves in. Uh, statistically, Utah led in possession 52% to 48% to go along with a 56% territory advantage. Uh, they had a 79% quick ball rate. So basically, they were getting the ball out of the ruck. Uh, Aaron, was it like in five seconds or less? Yeah. So like, yeah, it was. So some it, you start getting hit pretty bad when you have longer than five seconds uh, on a ruck. But to like when you're when you look at your rates for quick rucks, uh, like you want you want to be able to dig that ball in less than three seconds. Exactly. And so, and Toronto is one of these teams that uh, one of the knocks on them all season has been the fact that they are kind of slow footed in terms of their defensive shift. So that's, you know, definitely one way that you want to attack them is by getting the ball out of the ruck quickly. And that's something that Utah has done pretty well over the course of the season thus far. Uh, when it comes, when it came to, uh, when it came to territory our, our our total meters throughout the game, Utah outgained Toronto by nearly a hundred meters, 915 to 828. Uh, Utah had an average meter 4.5, uh, while Toronto had a mark of about six even. So that's one area where the arrows kind of made it count where Utah did and They were actually getting places when they were uh, passing the ball, not just kind of remaining stagnant uh, and moving parallel. Uh, tons of line breaks in this one, 17 total, uh, but Utah gave up a total of 10 uh, to... Um, uh, uh, oh, God, sorry. <laughs> Utah gave up a total of 10... Uh, to the arrows, uh, but they, they still got seven for themselves. So that's definitely one thing that uh, worked out for them. Uh, Utah, they, they have an offense that can strike quickly and they have a defense, uh, but and, um, and they can leave a defense on its back heel with how quickly they move. Their issue though, is how many points that they've been letting up on defense. Um, and Toronto, meanwhile, I don't really see them as an eventual playoff team uh, anymore, at least at the beginning of the season. I thought they were going to be one of the top teams. Uh, but I think they're going to remain probably about at a 500, maybe a little bit under or over. But again, I don't see them finishing top four. Uh, that's a that's a weird way to put it. They, they they just went four and four, and they're about to host eight freaking home games. That's that's a that's about as good as you needed to be. Just same with same with New York, uh, based on where they were. Uh, however, let, let's go into this game. Uh, it, it, it is Utah. Uh, I'll be honest, uh, they, they are a bottom three team, and there is a, a consistent difference between the top six and the bottom three at this juncture. Uh, you talked about territory. Uh, you know, let's let's talk about strategy a little bit. When I look at this game, some and some of the other teams overall, look at what teams have been able to do uh, to Utah that won. Uh, Houston did this, but often they kick for sticks, uh, pulling in scrum penal- kickable scrum penalties. Uh, guess what? Rob Brewer did that. He made Angus McClellan concede five scrum penalties. That's pretty impressive. Uh, you know, and uh, instead of kicking for six, Utah kicked a touch and ran their set piece. Uh, if you have a good set piece, uh, or at least uh, against a less than stellar one, 
um, when it comes to defense, you can attack. Uh, but that's not the only way Toronto went to work. They kicked uh, at forcing the Utah Warriors to run out of their backfield and I guess basically gain a lot of garbage meters, but two guys that really, uh, you know, hit the game line and really performed well for Utah were to not allow T and Gannon Muller. Uh, not allow T really shows that he's one of the class wings of MLR. He did it last year again. I think he had 193 meters and a try. And if you look at it, I would say about 120 uh, were some were some good stuff from him. Still, things to look at for Toronto was the second quarter where they had a defensive lapse and allowed Utah to respond very quickly and make this for some uh, an exciting game. Uh, that defense did not really settle down uh, until midway through this third quarter, uh, 10 minutes into the second half. Uh, some long travel, some altitude, maybe that that can be put into it, but I know Chris Silverthorne and Mark Winokur will telling me I'm actually blowing smoke up their butt. But, um, uh, you know, solid run out. Uh, they've got some questions. They're starting to gel. Uh, the guys who are with the ARC are bedded in. Are they a playoff team? Well, who's your top four? Because I... My my top four, uh, my top four right now would probably have to be Nola Rooney, then probably San Diego and uh, San Diego and Seattle. So I I would not have Glendale in my top four. So Glendale is currently third in the standings. I I'm gonna push the my semi informed my officially unofficial but semi informed power rankings tomorrow. Um, that shows you my full opinion, but I think the the third spot is going to be the fourth spot, rather not the third, is going to be a fight between uh, Toronto and Seattle. Uh, currently, yes, San Diego is at fifth in the table, but they have more wins. Thank you, the bonus point system. Blah blah blah. Uh, eventually, I they're just uh, you know they're getting their depth back because guys are fit. But we're gonna get into that. Uh, you know, after this next one. But yeah, I think uh, there is going to be a fight for the for number four. And I think that fight is between Toronto and Seattle. So man, the best man. Speaking of fights, transition. Okay. Thank you. Phrasing. Yeah. Speaking of fights, boy, that Raptors game, huh? So Glendale Raptors, uh, ha- were into the until this weekend undefeated at home and actually uh, managed to maintain that thanks to a last second uh, penalty kick to beat Nola 34 to 33. So, what is undefeated? Yeah, but what is what is like a tie at home? We call that no, well, not losing dealer. Yeah, it's uh, <laughs> it's I, I, I guess it's uh, a stagnant record. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there you go. Yeah. Um, but basically, when it comes to this game, this I, I feel like this could have been Nola's signature win of the season. And it were and you know, were it not for a lapse in discipline towards there towards the end, uh, they probably would have been sitting pretty at the season's midpoint. Uh, they are still in first place, but the race was going to be that much tighter because of this loss, especially with Glendale. They're keeping their head above water in the race for the postseason. Uh, we were just talking about that. I don't think Glendale's making the uh, the postseason. I think those two draws are going to be pretty pretty detrimental when it comes to racking up the points as other teams are going to be making the eventual 
end of the season push. We might see Utah, uh, Houston, and uh, Austin do some upsets, uh, especially when they, uh, you know, as they get they're, they get more and more desperate to get some more wins on the table. So uh, who, who knows how that's going to play out? Uh, statistically, both these teams were neck and neck in terms of possession. Nola fifty one percent, Glendale forty nine percent. Uh, Glendale, Glendale outgained Nola uh, 1,072 meters compared to Nola's 690. Uh, so Glendale had an average meters per pass of 4.9, whereas Nola was at 4.4. So not very high numbers for either of those squads in that metric. Uh, but Nola had the slight edge in the uh, gain line over at 74% compared to Glendale at 72%. So again, pretty neck and neck in terms of uh, how both these teams move the ball. And you can see that uh, you know, paralleled there in the score. Uh, players, how about Honko and Ryberg? Am I right? Honko hasn't really taken over games the way that I hope he's him, but he's still one of the best all-around rugby players in the United States. Uh, Honko had 146 meters on 18 carry, carries for an average meter uh, for an uh, average meters per carry of 8.1. Whereas Johnny had 121, 129, uh, he wasn't one of the top three ball carriers, so I didn't even see how many he had. Uh, so, yeah, Mr. Ryberg put in some work, I, w- I would say. Uh, Nola, that gumbo, rumby, that, that gumbo rugby may have taken uh, first place at the state fair, but, uh, you know, it d- didn't quite make it this week, but it sure is still good. Uh, Tim Maupin, yeah, he, uh, he definitely had himself a game with 121 total meters, two big line breaks, uh, to go along with his try. Uh, he's a great guy to have on the wing. He's fast and finds himself in position more often than not to uh, provide support for his teammates. So that's how he pretty much always gets himself in good position to run. Uh, you know, Nola looking good at the, uh, Nola, Nola looking good at the midpoint. I would say so. Yeah, I, I think Nola is in pole position right now. They do have their their schedule is actually pretty easy uh, going forward. The rest, even though it's mostly on the road, if you look at their opponents, it's it's kind of is what it is. Uh, one of the things that uh, so, something to look at, and this is where New Orleans is probably going to get pissed off, is uh, penalties. They're going to be like, how did we lose to a team that conceded 13 penalties and two free kicks? When, like, you. So, when it comes to infringements, Nola had half of what Glendale had. Think about that. Uh, breakdown efficiency, pretty much the same. The difference really is. Uh, the, the Jackal is alive and well for Glendale. They had four breakdown steals versus two. And also, guess what? Hanko Hamish, I was talking about a guy Uncle. that, I mean, you, you say he didn't really take over a game. I, last week, he didn't take over the game, but he, he made the stat sheet. He, 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 he went to work. Uh, you know, it was really, when it came to selections for uh, first 15, it was really kind of difficult. You know, there's, there's a lot of people involved in that. And it was like, damn, Hanko, you did really well. Um, but uh, here's here's another weapon for him. He's now a line-out option? I, I didn't know that. I mean, I saw it in the game. But he had two line-out takes and a line-out steal. Uh, so, you know. Uh, when it comes to his mitts, his mitts are good to go. Uh, as far as scrimmaging is concerned, for me, I, there really wasn't much to talk about in this game. They, they seemed relatively equal. Uh, but we – and we we didn't see – so set pieces. We didn't really see 
uh, Glendale kicked a touch a lot and used a, a really good uh, mall. And probably part of the reason here is Luke White seems to seems to be a big piece of their their mall game, but he was on the bench until the second half. Uh, I think he played 40 minutes, so he played a lot. But, uh, however, New Orleans, their set piece is, is lethal. Uh, they, they just keep going over the try line. Uh, Eric Howard, uh, you know. But at the end of the day, it's like I, I said this at the beginning of the season or the, after the second game, the Wendell is going gonna, is gonna to do something like this. They're, they're going to – they're gonna tempo you to death, and they're gonna they're gonna beat a team, and, and we've seen it here. Uh, but New Orleans just had a chance. The defense really got soft, and that has been a concern uh, throughout the season because I think they've given up the most points of you know of the top four teams. I, I think that that's correct. I don't. I need to look back at it. Uh, <sighs> Key point in this game, though, both hookers scored. Yeah, uh, hookers do tend to score a lot, man. I think that's their profession. Oh, we're still talking about rugby. <laughs> my bad, man. Um, <laughs> well, um, you know, the, the innuendo was supposed to be left unsaid, but uh, but I said as, it. As far as this competition door. is concerned, hookers go over the try line many times. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> and I don't see anything wrong with that. Oh, so <laughs> the last uh, the last game of the weekend uh, saw a uh, pesky San Diego team stick uh, stick around and manage to beat Seattle. Uh, yeah, so fourteen San Diego beat Seattle with uh, mostly fourteen men on the uh, field, or at least part of the game. Uh, some quick thinking ensured that San Diego left the Pacific Northwest with the season sweep over the Seawolves. The Legion surprised the Seawolves by jumping out to a 17-0 lead. The Seawolves fought valiantly, valiantly, but came up short in the end. Elgin Williams, in his first MLR match as a referee, decided to play a little Texas Hold'em, issuing four cards in total, three to San Diego and one to Seattle. Uh, yeah, so Aaron, talk us through this one. Uh, I mean, it do was throwing cards like Gambit. Um, thanks, Sean Malik. Um, that was your one. Uh, I picked this last week, Glendale. You screwed me, but this week, San Diego, you put me back on top. That's all I gotta say. Uh, guess what? Nobody else got it. That's if MLR experts, right? <laughs> None of you pick San Diego. Uh, so not exactly how we saw this one playing out. Uh, I've talked about San Diego attack, San Diego's attacking platform a bunch. Uh, talked about their set piece a lot. Uh, there was pretty clear domination in the scrum for San Diego. Uh, it got when it whether it was uh, Ali Khalifi or uh, or Kellen Gordon, um, they they were not up to the task against Patty Ryan. That is just a fact. I don't think many are. Uh, it was also nice to see Nate Sylvia back from injury coming off the bench. He he provided some much-needed lift for that scrum uh, later on when, uh, well, we'll get to that. Uh, 
So, Kenny Nas KK, my man, that clear out. Nada. You're probably getting three games. Might be four. I don't know. That's just my guess. Uh, I, I Honestly, eh, that clear out, it, it could have been a yellow. I, I mean, people are going to argue it, with me. It, it I, was I, pretty, pretty aggressive, man. Oh, no, it, don't get me wrong. I'm just saying I'm looking at on the aggregate internationally how we're issuing reds. There's another, I mean, not in this game, but there was a red given for a high tackle in Toulouse versus Rossing that I thought was harsh. But, I mean, letter of the law, dangerous clear out. He's he's going to sit for a couple weeks. Uh, like, a- application's fine. I, I thought it could have gone a little less, but I, I guess in the end it really didn't matter. Uh, but uh, that did force San Diego to play down a man uh, for 40 minutes, and then they were down two men when Josh Veramalua got a yellow for a high tackle uh, as well. And... You know, uh, th- that one, I was like, dude, come on, man. Um, but he has taken cards again earlier in the season for high tackles playing out of the wing position. Uh, yet, you know, the level of intensity that the Seawolves had versus the level of intensity of the San Diego Legion, they did not meet. They did not see each other on the street. Uh, you had this San Diego team that was champing at the bit to get this shot again because the last time they were in Starfire, they gave up three penalty tries. There was also bad blood, I would say. You know, some some Taylor Swift action. We need to... In fact, Corey, in in editing, I need you to put Taylor Swift... And now we got bad blood right there. All right? I'll I'll, I'll go ahead and insert that. I, but, um, uh, and done. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh, you know they they met each other in the semifinal. Um, the and San Diego ended up losing the, that semifinal, and they wanted they wanted to make a statement specifically against Seattle, and and they have. Uh, it, when it comes to Veramalua at six instead of being a wing, I mean. I thought he was going to be a six when they signed him personally. And then Brian uh, over at America's rugby news goes, no, he, no, he's a wing. And I was like, Hey, how about, how about Veramalu at six this weekend? And he's like, no, he's a wing at six. I think as far as being a loose forward is concerned, uh, he was in the right place. Uh, a lot of times didn't look especially uh, comfortable, uh, but he made a ton of tackles was perfectly available to take in a loose ball for a try that capped off this game. Uh, another player that put in a great shift was Sol Wuching. What is what is going on with this guy? He is I if he had played MLR last season in the right environment, he would be much further along than he is now. Uh, his instincts have been spot on. His enthusiasm is really fun to watch. He's growing quite well in that San Diego environment. It's pretty impressive. Uh, I think we'll see him come into his own uh, when the PNC comes around and he'll be pushing somebody for that six shirt. Uh, he had 17 tackles. Like, I mean, actually, I had this pulled up. So it was it was actually impressive. Uh, 11 carries, 73 meters, two offloads, 17 tackles, 
and three lineout takes. Pretty good for a guy that really looked relatively uncomfortable as a loose forward uh, for a while. Uh, another guy I got to give a shout out, uh, Nate Augsburger. You know, when it, when it comes to Nate, uh, I, I have things to say for him at, at Scrum Half. He's heard me say them to him, so it, it really doesn't matter. He's a great wing player. Don't get me wrong. Like, But his form at nine the last couple of weeks has been amazing. Some things uh, I don't like. Uh, you know, like those box kicks at midfield. I get it. It was probably a tactic, but uh, because of the sun, however, I just don't want to give up possession like that at midfield. I want you to run the attack and try to get to score. I guess it worked. Um, he, he played like a man without limits. Uh, 20 tackles. Wow. Um, his heroics also put him near Phil Mack. To slap Phil Mack's arm, hand, whatever, to force him to either knock on the ball or it just got loose to where Joss Verimalua was able to pick it up and go in for try. So there you go. Yeah, well, but all that, San Diego is still not quite in the playoff despite having more wins than Glendale. Just going to mention that one more time. I hate this point system, but that's just my very American-ish opinion, I guess you could say. But check it. San Diego, only 44 uh, possession advantage throughout the game, but they were great at making the gain line with a GLO rate of 82%. Uh, that's gain line over for GLO. Uh, and an average meters, uh, meters per pass of 6.8. In fact, I found this pretty interesting. The two teams had about the same amount of meters gained. Seattle had 744, San, San Diego had 717. But it took San Diego almost 100 passes less to achieve that. Uh, Seattle had 202 passes um, for an average meters per pass of 3.6. So that just so shows you overall there's a higher degree of efficiency in their movement, um, you know, although probably more so in the second half. Uh, when it comes to players for Seattle, Eric du uh, Duchel is dude's a class act on and off the field. 13 total carries on the night uh, with, with a line break. Uh, and you can tell every time this guy carries the ball that he's putting in 110%. He's really entertaining to, uh, to watch out there. And again, he's one of these really marketable players that uh, Seattle could really push forward uh, to their fans. Uh, uh, for San Diego, Mikey Teow, showing that he still has some gas in the tank. Uh, I had the pleasure of one time watching Mikey play live at Red Bull Arena for Team USA when Ireland came to town. Uh, and to, and just the other day, just like when I was watching him, then his signature goose step was on display. Uh, it helped him to get to oh, the total. I, I tell you, I hate, I hate that. I you, you know, hate the goose step. Well, I the, hate. I call it the the club rugby hop. However, however, in this game, in this game, y'all, you Seattle people better be ashamed. You you guys got fooled for that twice, Lord, twice. Aaron, why do you hate fun? No, he he. So he did that twice, and they fell for it. It was rather beautiful. <laughs> yeah, well, Mikey uh, ended up finishing the game at ninety-nine total meters off eight carries for an average meter per carry of uh, twelve point three. So great overall job by Mikey Teo, making sure that the young guys still know that he's out there uh, tearing stuff up. Um, I just feel like the San Diego squad has enough depth to last out the remainder of the season and into the playoffs. So that's why I think they're going to eventually finish in the top four as opposed to Glendale. 
They score points. They have a, uh, they have a good defense. Seattle definitely was going to make the postseason, but the Seawall is going to have to score some more tries to alleviate the pressure on the levees, uh, you know, on the Seawall. So I'll just say that. Fair enough. So uh, this is a special time of the show where we like to go back and celebrate our wins and lick our wounds for our losses. So week 10 results, uh, I'll just run through them. And if you guys have any comment, feel free to jump in. First up was uh, Rooney at Austin. And uh, the final score is 19 to 11, Rooney. Aaron, you said uh, Rooney by seven. So you're the closest on that one. Good work. Uh, Liam, you had Rooney by 17 and I had Rooney by 20. Followed up that with uh, Toronto at... Warriors at Utah. Uh, we all had Toronto on this one. Aaron, you had him by seven. Uh, the final score is 30 or 64-31. So you had him by seven. Liam, you had him by three. I had him by 10. And they had him by 33. So a little bit of difference yeah. there. You were the closest, Corey. Congratulations. They, al- they almost they were this close for like one one thing happens and they it, it this this thing goes over a hundred points total for the game. <laughs> like that was, it was kind of fun to watch, you know? Uh, then we had Nola at Glendale. And this is the one we discussed extensively being that uh, Glendale 34, Nola 33. And uh, well, Aaron, I know you were uh, celebrating your San Diego win. I think I'm going to celebrate my uh, Glendale guess on this one. Aaron had Nola by 12. Uh, Liam, you had Nola by three, and I had Glendale by five. So, um, uh, con- congratulations. That was, uh, that was some rug- rugby domicing, but I will point out some other people picked Glendale as well. You were not, <laughs> you were not by yourself on an island holding the EOD flag. <laughs> like Aaron uh, this week or me, uh, or me last week, you know, when. Got to, got to, you got, you got to be that lone renegade. Yeah, the uh, the final game of the weekend was uh, San Diego going up against Seattle at Seattle, and that's twenty eight twenty two in San Diego's favor. Aaron, you had San Diego by three. Good job, Liam and I both had uh, Seattle win in this one. So yeah, uh, I don't know, it was fun. Aaron, you want to take us through what that means for the standings? So bonus points, bonus points matters. It makes, I will say I hate bonus points. I think wins should be, I think wins should be more important. Amen, brother. uh, Especially when you don't play nearly as many games as they do in hockey. Because the NHL has some type of point system that sort of works, but is different. Uh, But, uh, so because of bonus points, New Orleans stays on top with 33 points on the table. Uh, New York moves to 7-1 and one, uh, with 32 points on the table, so likely to overtake New Orleans for the f- number one seed going into uh, week 11. Yeah, 11. Wow. Uh, We're um, a long way in there, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. And uh, Glendale. Well, uh, interesting. To say the least, uh, they are third on the table. They are four, three, and two with twenty-eight table points, one ahead of uh, good old Seattle. Good old Seattle. Uh, this is where I sort of hate life. Uh, so Seattle what, got a bonus point here. Uh, interestingly, 
uh, with uh, their loss, it's because they scored some points. You know, it's, they scored some points. And now, uh, every, everybody wins. <laughs> so they got a bonus point in this loss. Uh, and uh, San Diego only achieved four points, uh, sadly, and stayed at fifth with 26 points. Uh, Toronto did get four points in their win, or no, extra. I think they got five. They got the bonus point victory against uh, Utah, but they have 22 points and they're at sixth. But this is where you see the massive difference in the table uh, because so the difference between first and sixth is only 11 points. The difference between sixth and seventh, we'll get to sixth versus ninth very shortly, but sixth and seventh is 12 points. Yeah, that sucks. The difference between sixth and ninth is 18 points. So there is a significant difference between the top six and the bottom three in the league. Yeah, every league needs some losers. That's what makes winners. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> or a philosophy. If you ain't first, you're last. <sighs> So week 11, we are at 11-sies, fellas. This is pretty amazing. Who would have thunk we'd make it this far? Anyway, uh, first up, Friday night, 9 p.m. Eastern on ESPN+. Plus. We've got the Seawolves at Utah. Aaron, what you think? Uh, Seattle? Uh, is, I mean, <laughs> Utah, you're like uh, where Austin and, and Houston are. You kind of got to make a choice. You gotta, you gotta grab yourself, buy your bootstraps, and you gotta get a win that is relatively good for me to believe in you. So Seattle minus ten. Uh, Liam, I don't have as uh, dramatic uh, lead-in into this game, but I'm gonna go Seattle minus nine. I think they're just a more complete team than Utah. Uh, gonna pull them stuff, pull themselves up by their bootstraps. I do agree. Yeah. Yup. 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 You're working on that Texas thing. Yeah, Getting dude, it's, it, it, it's my reality now. Well, you never had a strong, like, strong, overbearing Bostonian accent. No, no, believe me. I know, I know those that do, and I, I, I escaped. Uh, my guess on this one is Utah. I'm actually going to do Utah by two because uh, even though they are – pretty far underdogs you know those underdogs can be spoilers sometimes so um you do that just remember, i will put it on the super brew <laughs> i'll get on that the uh, second game of the weekend is saturday 9 p.m uh on news9.com that is Sabercats at glendale aaron what do you think on this one well glendale coming off a good win um going Raptors minus 10 uh but they will uh they're gonna make it interesting for the Sabercats because they're gonna give them the ball a lot turnover uh you know what I'm just gonna I'm just gonna shamelessly sell out I'm gonna say uh the Houston Sabercats by five uh, or know what? I'm going to go Houston Sabercats by six because I think it's going to be by a margin that it's clear that Sam Windsor uh, got the victory for them. Fighting Windsor Cats. <laughs> Handsome Sam, as we call him. <laughs> <laughs> 
And I'm going to go Glendale by 15 on this one. I don't think I need to explain why. Well, fuck you, Corey. <laughs> Uh, then we got two Sunday matchups. Uh, so, yeah, get ready for one early one, one late one. First up is NOLA at Toronto. Is this uh, the first – is Toronto is this Toronto's first home game? I believe so, yeah. Yep, it is yeah. their first of eight straight home games. Yep. So this one's 2 p.m. Eastern on ESPN+. Plus. NOLA at Toronto. Aaron, what do you think? Uh, hmm. I mean, you already made your guess on, your guess on the script. Uh, yeah. I mean, we can all like, see it. What, what, yeah, what, what's this fake ass like? You know, <laughs> what do you want? Uh, you, you want like a pawn stars or something like that? Like where they're telling me, I'm like, all right, now look like you're deciding uh, uh, something. Like, well, Toronto did something that Nola hasn't even done to Utah, so let's uh, let's go Toronto minus three. I'm so shocked. Y'all might be shocked to learn that. I'm going to go NOLA minus 11 on this one. I think uh, the gold are going to rebound from their loss last week. I think that was an anomaly. I still think they're one of the best teams in Major League Rugby. And I'm going to go NOLA by six. And uh, I, I just I, – I'm hoping. I'm hoping that they're going to show me uh, show me some gold there in the Great White Nort. <laughs> uh, the last one is Sunday night. That's 10 p.m. Eastern. On uh, That's the game of the week on CBS Sportsnet. It is Austin at San Diego. And I think we can all pretty much guess how this one's going to go. Aaron, what's your guess? That checks out. I have a midterm, too, on Sunday. And it's this game's late. Sweet. Drink. Uh, you know, it's, it's going to be San Diego. I, I just, like, Austin's playing better. San Diego didn't do the extras that they needed to do against S- Seattle to make me think that they would just crush. Cause I, it's, it's either, it's good. I think the margins between seven and 10 and I'm going San Diego minus seven, but uh, you know, we'll see. They might just eat Austin alive. Uh, I'm going to go San Diego. Minus I believe this is going to go into double digits. I have a lot of faith that San Diego is one of the best teams in the league. And I think Austin, they're 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 going to get taken advantage of uh, of by San Diego. They're just a much more complete team. Well, if you're going twelve, I'm going to go twenty on this one. I think San Diego is just going to crush them. Fuck you, Corey. <laughs> yeah, my my goal in life is just to be one better than Liam at everything. <laughs> Uh, you know, and last week we uh, announced our picks for Free Jacks uh, versus Munster as part of the Kara Cup, and uh, I guess I didn't realize that that wasn't last weekend. I had it in my head, but uh, this game is actually this Saturday coming up, April 6th at 4 p.m., and at that time I had said I think Munster is going to go uh, win by 12, but I, I thought Free Jacks was going to put in a, a better showing than we expected. Guys, did you want to reiterate your expectations for this uh, match? Munster minus 22. I mean, if anyone saw a Munster actual play on Saturday, yeah, there you go. I'm going to go Munster minus 21, but I think the Free Jacks are going to score more points than people think. And I'm trying to remember, have these been live-streamed or were they just posted afterwards? Uh, they are. So they're on Nessun. Um, they're on Nessun. They, it was streamed on YouTube and Twitch. Facebook was kind of funky, but it was on Next Level Rugby's Facebook page, which is the production house for the game. So I think it will be on 
the Facebook of the Free Jacks on Saturday. I think like if you are if you don't have Nessin or you're not a Twitcher or you're not a YouTuber and you only do Facebooky, it's it it will be on Facebook somewhere. Facebooky? What what are you a three year old? It's it's on fa- if you're not a Facebooky, like I, I don't know. I'm, I'm no, tired I'm and pre- delirious. I'm pretty sure three year I'm pretty sure three year olds use Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> that's what uh, that's what Instagram tells me. No, the, dude, it's Tumblr. That's, that's, what, that's what little kids use. All their hopes and dreams. I mean, there's no more porn on Tumblr, so it's safe, right? <laughs> yeah, there's no more porn on anything, man. It sucks. <laughs> oh, golly. Yeah, we're getting rid of porn, but you can buy pot in a third of the country. Explain that one to me. Damn right. Merca. <laughs> oh, well, that does it. That wraps us up for our predictions, and uh, we usually like to hit hit up some questions. And uh, we got a few minutes this time, guys. I don't think we need to do a lightning round. We can actually just answer questions. Well, let's do it. All right, kicking us off is the section namesake. Bob B. Boberson wants to know uh, what coaches are out there that expansion teams next year should be looking at as possible hires. So there's only one team that doesn't have a coach right now. Um, right now, I'm pretty sure the Free Jacks are going to take Josh Smith uh, if he wants it. I think it's more a question of if Josh Smith wants the job or not. Pretty much, yeah. Um, and not uh, if they were going to hire somebody else. So the only team looking for a coach is DC. Um, at the moment, the only team looking for a coach is DC. We may get into that later in the season. Uh, so... Uh, you know, domestically, um, Josh Macy uh, at at Lindenwood, uh, he's a really good coach. Uh, people talk Tom Billups. Uh, he's been an assistant at Cal for a very long time under Jack Clark, who Tom Billups was also an Eagles coach at one point. So if you want a if you want a dude that has like a permanent like hairline, like his his do is like perfect every. Every time, like when he's lifting and sweating, his hair is like perfect. Um, he's an intense dude. Uh, so I said, uh, Josh Macy, Tom Billups, uh, Gavin Hickey, Justin Hickey, James Willicks. Uh, those are the big names. Uh, Tim O'Brien at St. Mary's College, but I'm pretty sure uh, not can he, he might do it on a volunteer basis because he does – Tank Mary's on a volunteer basis. Do you want a guy doing investment banking at 3 a.m. in the morning uh, until like two and then being your head coach uh, and then running your team crazily because that's how SMC does it. So you'd be paying for assistance, but I don't think uh, Tim is on the market for that, but he would be a guy to bring in. But like I said, most of these young coaches uh, you know, I think they're the ones that you want to look at because they they have the most professional environments. Um, Mike Sherman at uh, at West Point, uh, another good one. But uh, the the big thing about DC is they have the Scottish Rugby Union as a minority owner, so they the SRU might provide a coach. I, I didn't think about that uh, that point about the Scottish Rugby Union providing a coach that. That might be a good point. Uh, 
I'll give a shout out to a friend of the show, Gordon Hanlon, though. Definitely has my recommendation. Hey, there. He's, I think, they, they're in pole position in the Bundesliga. I think the playoffs are next week, and we may see if, uh, uh, knock on wood, if TSV Hansersheim Lions uh, win the Bundesliga Division One. Hell yeah. Good luck. Very best of luck. Next up, Conkey2195. What are your guys' thoughts on World Rugby's considering introducing a new 50-22 kick law? And for real quick, before you explain it, could somebody explain what it is and then give your responses? Because I just don't know. Aaron? I, I, so... You're at the 50 and Atlanta. I don't know, but basically the fact is, if if you're on the if you're the attacking team and you're uh, past your, I think it's past your own 22 within vicinity, and you kick it forward and it lands in a specific spot instead of that possession then returning and going to uh, the defender, uh, you get the ball for a line out uh, more often on attack. Uh, I like how it is when it comes to kicking to touch that I, you know, I, it's not really broken. Um, there are a lot of other things to worry about in when it comes to the laws that we can deal with. Mm, this is good. Yeah. If it ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So that's all I'll say. <laughs> Fair enough. Say me wants to know is Phil Mack, for the Seattle uh, Seawolves being rested, or do the Seawolves really believe that J.P. Smith is a better starting option? Uh, <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I guess I'm going to have to, you know, talk to Richie myself uh, in a couple of weeks about that one. Uh, this is what I got to say. His play is not helping them right now, J.P. Smith. Uh, he's less creative, and he does – like he did that dive yesterday where he got a yellow card. He does things like that. He's he's a young kid that will, you know, is very talented and will become like a really good scrum half in this league for a long time. But the Iceman is what gives you the best chance to win at nine. So either Phil Mack or you know somebody else because I think J.P. Smith is a guy that can play 20 to 30 minutes and continuously learn and get better. But there have been moments in games that they have won that, like, you thought that they were going to lose the game because of his play. So, yeah. Phil Mack is the is the starter for me. Here. Yeah. Yeah, J- uh, JP, he might have a much higher ceiling in terms of where he could go in the future. However, if you if you want to uh, abide by a win-now mentality, Philly mac and cheese is the way that you actually have to go. Uh, you can't say enough about his leadership on the field and his production, you know, last year as, as a player coach, you know, speaks volumes about the effect that he can have on this team. So definitely we'll go with, uh, with, the, with the Mac man on this one. I can't help it. I have no perspective on this at all, other than I can't help but wonder if somebody back there knows Phil's not coming back next season and they're just trying to figure out what they're going to do. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, but that's why you don't – you still got to win now, but if it's like you need to – you bring in a talented nine and you, you need to get him minutes – that's where you go with a 50, 30, 60, 20 split consistently 
rather than, you know, playing the young guy and not putting yourself in position to win. I guess we'll see what the rest of the season holds for us. All right. Last question of the night comes from BZHJJM. I keep seeing people bringing up Portland when it comes to an MLR expansion city. Is that purely wild speculation and wishful thinking, or is there actually work being done to get an ownership group together? Well, I don't know the specifics on it, but there definitely is rugby up there, and I believe that there's a contingent of fans who would like to see it happen. So um, for all I know, it's it's just wishful thinking, but it's good wishful thinking. I would put it that way. Um, if they're welcome to it, yeah, sure. But, but the, here's the thing. We're at the point, I mean, Thierry Dupont, I granted the interview was after league meetings, so maybe they had voted on a new expansion fee, but said in the Austin Elite Rugby podcast, supporters podcast, that the new expansion fee is $4 million. So take that into perspective. Roughly half a million dollars was the first year expansion fee. And eight teams paid that eight members paid that seven teams took to the field. Uh, the expansion fee uh, ballpark between for year two was between six fifty and I think eight or fifty. Right? I don't, I don't know. That's just, there have been numbers thrown at me. So this is the first time an owner has said exactly what an owner and CEO has said exactly what that number is. Do I believe that? I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's the negotiate. Maybe that's the starting point when it comes to negotiation, but you do have to make sure whoever is coming into the league is financially healthy and can fund like the project that it's going to take to build off the field, not on the field, the on the field product when it comes to funding it and developing it is really, is a lot less expensive than, you know, yeah, Liam can attest this working in, you know, Sabercats operations that most of the money being spent isn't being spent on rugby. So it's being spent on for to develop rugby, but not on rugby operations specifically, right? Yeah, I know. It's also being spent on little mini koozies to give out for free at games. I know that where, significant- where is that freaking koozie, man. Jeez, can't even can't even get a koozie. Corp. Take it from my cold dead corpse, Aaron. Um, I, so I just assumed fifty percent of the SaberCats budget went straight to Liam. <laughs> <laughs> the, yeah. the, the best paid camera operator in the in the state. Uh, hey, so, and 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 uh, lead beat journalist. Thank you very much. So, <laughs> I guess we 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 had this discussion last year. Rugby is going to go where the money. So if someone has a correct package and the expansion fee is actually $4 million, then you're going to need to have like $16 million, I would think, to, to cover that for operations for a couple of years in, in assets that can be turned into liquid. If someone has that kind of cash to like eat losses for three years in Portland, you know, cool. Like, I, I, why not? I, I don't know. Like, as, as far as if you're asking me, hey, you guys are connected. Have you heard anything? I've heard Dallas is still online. I know that Ohio wants – there's an Ohio group that's been in that is uh, connected to Tiger Rugby via Paul Holmes, who lives in Ohio. Uh, 
I know that it, there at one point last year, there were 12 active bids. So this was before Toronto was even announced as a member. So Toronto at the time was one of 12 active bids uh, based on, you know, a bunch of conversations I've had. So how many active bids are now? I have no idea. Honestly, I, 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 I couldn't tell you, but uh, it's, it's all about who has the money. If they have the money. They want to spend it on revenue. So there you go. Any uh, final thoughts on our way out, fellas? Week uh, 11. Yeah, right? Of season two. That's pretty dope. You got to say. We made it. Keep on watching EOD. <laughs> all right. Here's the legal stuff. On our way out, please note that all opinions expressed on this broadcast are those of the hosts and the guests and do not necessarily reflect the beliefs or practices of Major League Rugby teams or the league. Aaron Castro is employed by Major League Rugby. Liam Madigan-Fried is employed by the West Houston Lions and Houston Sabercats. Be sure to tune in next week. We do this every Monday night live on YouTube, and it's always available Wednesday mornings on your favorite podcast platform. Uh, if you like what we do, please uh, give us a like and a share. Uh, subscribe to our channels wherever you can find them. And... Uh, be sure to share your own news, views, and abuse with us each week on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and, of course, over on the Reddit page, reddit.com slash r slash mlrugby. Thank you, as always, for listening. We will be back next Monday night. Until then, go out and watch some rugby. Thank you for listening to Earful of Dirt, the Major League Rugby Podcast. We're live each Monday night on YouTube, available for download every Wednesday morning through your favorite podcast provider, and always online at earfulofdirt.com. Subscribe to our channel on YouTube and like us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You can share your thoughts with us via our voicemail by calling 720-600-2679. We're live again next Monday at 10 p.m. Eastern, 7 p.m. Pacific. We'll see you then. Thank you.